0: I want to talk for just a few moments about the power of intercession. If, if we're going to see the power of God hit this city, how many wants to see that, by the way? Hit our families, hit this nation. We're going to have to learn how to pray and pray effectively. I want to make this statement. Nothing comes from heaven unto earth, or let's put it this way. Let me read it this way. Am I, I wrote it down not wrong. Nothing comes from heaven to earth Until we first learn to pray. Prayer is how we unlock heaven, heaven's um, authority, heaven's dominion, heaven's healing, God's power. All that has to do with that. We unlock it through our prayer. And the Lord um, spoke to, I I think I I told some, one of the services, I don't remember which, but let me just kind of make it clear tonight. And I was praying here down in the church and um, I said Lord I thank you that you're meeting me in the secret place and you know God meets you in the secret place. Wherever that might be, it could be your car, it could be your backyard, it could be when you're going for a walk. It could be it could be uh, you know at lunchtime, however you do it, your basement, a little room that you have at your house. But the point is is to make that time with him. Uh, find a place where you can have his grace. Come on, somebody say amen. A space, a place for grace. And so Um, And so he said, but son, he said, the secret place isn't just a place of solace where you come away with me and I come and meet you. He said, the secret place is the place of secrets. In other words, what he was saying to me was, he said... The things that you need to know. The things that have not yet been revealed to you. The secret things that have been kept from you. The hidden things that you just didn't understand is what I revealed to you in the secret place. Because the secret place is the place of secrets. Amos 3.7. Uh, the Bible says here, God spoke. It says, surely the Lord God does nothing. God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants The prophets. So if we want God, and by the way, prophet doesn't mean somebody stands in the office of a prophet, but anybody who has an ear to hear or willing to hear what God's saying and willing to become his mouthpiece in the earth, they're a prophetic person. So God says, I can't do anything, nothing, until I reveal to you secrets to my prophets. And then Deuteronomy 29 29 says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. This is how important it is for us to pray. Because everything is secret belongs to him. But those things which are revealed belong to who? Us. And to our children for how long? Forever. So whatever, come on y'all, whatever breakthrough you get, your kids are going to have. <laughs> whatever you're struggling with, your kids won't have to struggle with. Because they no longer belong to God. They now belong to you. You have onus of the secret that was hidden from you. Now you've got it. So once there was no, there was no, uh, we had no healing in the earth. But now then, the secret is out. By his stripes, we are healed. Now it belongs to me. Healing belongs to me. And then, Matthew 6, verse 6, uh, Jesus said, But when you, when you pray, not if, but when you pray, there's an expectation for us to pray. Go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the, help me y'all, in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. How? openly so he was saying son whatever time you spend with me here whatever you sacrifice to get here it's going to be well worth it because whatever that we get done in this secret place i'm going to reward you with in the public place come on but if there's no prayer there's no power if there's no prayer there's no unlocking heaven if there's no prayer there's no secrets being revealed there are three kinds of prayer. There's the maintaining prayer. That's the one we have as daily relationship with the Father every single day. The second kind is the preserving prayer. That kind of prayer is seeking God for a special thing that you want uh, God to do or you want uh, God to do for somebody else. But then the third kind is the travailing prayer. And I believe that's the stage we're in right now. I want to move us into a place of intercession, but we're in the travailing prayer right right now. Travailing prayer means that you're bringing something forth that wasn't there before. So it's like a woman that's pregnant. It's not in the world yet, but she knows she's got something in her. And she's got to push. She's got to what? Travail to bring that thing forth into the earth. Isaiah 59, 16 says this, Isaiah, he saw saw that there was, God said, I saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him and his own righteousness, it sustained him. God was looking for somebody who would intercede or intercept So if we say the world's going to hell in a handbasket, God then looks for an interceptor or intercessor to take the ball that was moving that direction, pick it off, and go the, y'all don't know anything about football, and go the other way. That's what intercession is. In other words, everything was going this way and rightfully so, but an intercessor says, no! No! That's not what your word says. Now we need to go this direction. You can study throughout church history and look specifically at revivals and you will not find a single one that ever happened without strong, strong, incessory prayer happening first. We want revival, right? Then why aren't we willing to pay the price to intercede and push for it and believe God for it? I want to reiterate the, the marching orders that General Jesus gave me. It's the first time I ever called him general, general Jesus was just about four weeks ago. And I saw him, I saw him just in beautiful armor on a steed, a white steed. And, and I saw him in his authority as the general. And I called him General Jesus. And he gave me my marching orders. And he said this, he said, look, he said, son, he said, there are many of my people that I'm concerned with. It wasn't concerned like he was like, shame on you. It was a concern that he was hurt. His heart was hurt and, and, and he felt for them. He said, they're my wounded warriors. They were on the front lines battling on my behalf. And the enemy attacked them. And they stopped in that middle of that attack. And what they thought was I abandoned them there to die. And he said, that's not what I did. That's not what I wanted for them. He said, son, there's too many of them. And there's some of you that are in this church right now because I've heard your testimonies. And it's just been of recent. He said, I'm going to call them in. I'm going to breathe my breath upon them from the north, the south, the east, and the west. I'm going to draw them to this place. And here they'll find restoration and redemption and forgiveness. Come on. And healing. I'm just saying that it's time for the church to become the church. Step up to our place of authority and inter- intercede on behalf of our brothers and sisters. And that's new for me. That, I said that's new for me. I pray for my church every day. But I'm talking about praying for people because I used to, I'll be honest with y'all, I was hard on them. I used to be hard. God, God had to change my heart. Because I'm around Christians 24-7, y'all. And sometimes I'd rather be around Sinners. Because a sinner never hurt my feelings as much as a Christian did. Y'all don't want to talk to me? And God said, you got to turn your cheek and love them anyways. I'm making you responsible. I'm making you responsible to love them like I would love them. I used to say they would snicker, they would kind of, you know, just kind of, you know, whimper and cry about something. i said, grow up. My God. I would think, just, I got to get up every day and serve and you do too. Come on, grow up. Get over yourself. Y'all probably heard me preach at a time or two around here. And it's not like that has gone away. I still feel strong in my, down in my, inside my my spirit, man. Like we got to step up. But there's an empathy that I did not have before. Because I'm feeling the heartbeat of God. For his people, and it's like a person that's walking on the ice on top of the river. And unbeknownst to them, they thought they could make it, but it was too thin, and the ice cracked, and it was too late. And they fell down through the ice. And unfortunately, the river continues to be swift underneath the ice, and they got swept underneath. And they're trying to find their way back out, but they can't find their way back out until General Jesus. Come on, somebody. Takes his sword and breaks the ice and picks him back up, come on, and brings him back to safety. Why? Because he's dialed in. He knows exactly where they're at. Isaiah 61 uh, is what God gave us so many years ago, and now it's becoming more alive to me than it's ever been before. The Spirit of the Lord God's upon me because he has anointed me and you to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To set at liberty the captives. The opening of the prison doors of those who are bound. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. The day of the vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To console those who mourn in Zion. To give them what? Beauty for ashes. That's restoration guys. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaven. That they may be called the tree of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. That he may be glorified. That verse, those verses now become more alive to me than ever before prayer precedes a move of God prayer ignites the move of God prayer sustains the move of God Pr- prayer deepens the move of God I'm not interested guys I'm telling you straight out please let me just hear my heart I'm not interested in going back to where it used to be not only am I not interested in it I'm not going back. I'm not going back to the way it was. And it was pretty good church. He's wrecked me. I'm completely wrecked now. I got a taste of what he really wants to do. And now I'm hungry for that. So I'm saying the only way we keep this thing going, otherwise we can say, wasn't it wonderful back in 2018 when God really touched our lives in a big time way? That was wonderful. Are you kidding me? I don't want a so-called revival that lasts two and three years. I want something that's sustaining for generations where we just keep moving forward. And it is a battle. There is a fight. And it will cost us our time in prayer. Prayer is what sustains it. Prayer is what deepens it. And God spoke to me and said, this is what's coming back to the church. He said, it's, it's going to be... Presence ministry. Presence, not like you get a present. I'm talking about presence. His presence. His presence is so powerful, so palpable, so tangible, so real to the sinner and the saint alike that it causes a reaction. That's what we got to have. We've got to have it so strong, so strong. Faith so high where a sinner goes, I want him, where a saint says, I must have him more. That's what we've got to have, presence, ministry. And it reminded me of the, 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 um, uh, the account where Ezekiel, the prophet, is led by God to the temple. And he sees uh, a massive river running through the temple, running through the temple, out of the north and the south and east and west and parts of it were bigger than other parts. And Ezekiel is told by God, now I want you to get in the water. So he steps into the water about ankle deep. He goes, Okay, it's pretty good here. He goes, now go a little bit further. So now that's progressive, y'all. That means that means there's more to it than just what you think. You gotta go a little bit further in. So he goes a little bit further in towards the temple. And now he's now he is thigh deep in. Uh, that water. And God says, go a little bit further. He measures it out, says, go some more. He goes now. Now he's waist deep. Go a little bit further. Now he's chest deep. And God says, keep on going. Don't stop. And he keeps on going. And now he's in over his head, completely immersed by this river that was mighty flowing. He said, so great a river that no man could swim. He said, but I had to swim for my life. That river represents the presence of God. And the presence of God moves from the ankles and it gets progressive. And it gets deeper and deeper and deeper until it's completely out of control. Until you just got to trust Jesus. I wish I could preach I I, I really, because y'all stole my voice a minute ago, screaming, so I got got much left. But let me share with you something. This is cool. Uh, Pito doesn't know the bottom. Share the dream he had. Pito, this is one of our intercessors. Had this dream. Let me share this dream. In my dream, I was at church, but the church looked more like a warehouse. I was there with uh, Mari, Damatis, Anita, and a few other people that I couldn't make out. We were going to pray, but Damadi had asked Mahdi if instead of us all praying individually, uh, if just one of us can lead and the rest would come into agreement. Māhdi said yes and asked me to pray. I began praying by worshiping and thanking God. Then uh, when I started to get specific in my prayer and thanking God for his move— and for protect, protection over our pastor and his family. I could hear Anita agreeing with me. And soon after that, we, were, we heard a loud sound coming from outside. We ran outside to look and saw a sea of people running from a hurricane. The wind was so strong. I looked across the street and saw a palm tree. So I ran to it with Nazalia, that's his daughter, and Madi his wife, and I held on tightly to the palm tree. He told me about it He goes, Pastor, there was a palm tree in Milwaukee. I don't know what that means. Praise God. Palm tree in Milwaukee. <laughs> while holding Maddie and Nazalia, for a, for a moment, the winds calmed down, so we made a run back to the warehouse, which was the church. It was taking a while to get in because a huge crowd of people were running to get into the warehouse, the church. While we were behind the crowd waiting to get in, the water started to rise up to my chest. Now, I, you don't understand. I'm getting this word. I got this word this morning about Ezekiel and the water rising up to his chest. He, hours later, three or four hours today, says, I got a dream. I wrestled with it, didn't know if I was going to give it or not. I'm just going to give it to you. Come on, talk about confirmation, y'all. He said, the water rose up to my chest, so I, I took my daughter, Nazalia, above my head. I put her above my head. We finally made it to the warehouse, the church, and the deeper into the warehouse, the church, that we went into, the water level became less. We finally got to the back end of the warehouse, the church, where we found a bridge to hide under until the hurricane passed. There's a lot there that I got, a lot there that I'm going to share right now, because I'm going to go to prayer for, for most of that. But I wanted to share it with you, because the confirmation, what he's saying to us church tonight. People, there was a multitude of people that were afraid of the hurricane that was coming to Milwaukee. But where did they run to when they were afraid? They ran to the house of God. Come on, somebody. They ran to the house of God. Now, this morning, I tweet, I see a storm. This morning when I'm praying, and I tweeted out uh, something on the lines of, "You never know when lightning is going to strike." Did y'all see that today? You never know when lightning is going to strike, but you know when the the, the uh, weather, however, is conducive for it. You know what the atmosphere is set for for the lightning to strike. You just don't know when it's going to happen. I saw a storm in my spirit. In other words, what terrifies some people. Other people can't wait to jump in and see that the water's, come on, the water's just fine. Come on, church. But a storm means something that's out of control, something you can't harness. You just got to wait it out. Come on, somebody. So if you think we're having good church service, we're just having good church service. Wait till it really breaks. And we start seeing signs, wonders, and miracles like we've never seen before. Rich Schweigler uh, Said he gave me this dream uh, about two or maybe five weeks ago, something like that. Huh? Five months ago, but you didn't tell me about it till about maybe four or five weeks ago. And then he finally wrote it down and gives it to me when last night. This is powerful. After about five months ago, he said, I had a vision while in Canada, and it was a vision outside of our church. I was up higher than than the church looking down. There was a huge river that was flowing through the top and back of the building. Come on, y'all. And exploding through the front doors. There's a great river of the Holy Spirit that's beginning to flow into our churches for those that are truly passionate, radical, want righteousness in themselves, and are fiercely seeking Jesus. That river is being poured out into us and... It's exploding outward through us so we can reach the harvest. And he says, Seek Jesus deeper, repent, turn away from the things that are keeping you from going deeper, and watch his glory and his love pour out uh, of you onto and into his sons and his daughters. He sees a great river. A great river is due to overflowing of the banks. A great river is not the normal river. It's when it gets so flooded because of what? A storm has come that is taking everything with it. Come on, somebody. There is a storm that is coming to Milwaukee. There is a storm. But it's not going to harm God's people. It's not to hurt us. It's to bless us and draw the harvest into a place of refuge and safety. Come on, church. Just touch your neighbor and say, it's time to pray. Just tell him time to pray. James, in his writing, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Fervent means fiery. It means intensity. Touch your neighbor and say, turn up. Just tell him turn up. Come on. <laughs> now, to put Isaiah 59 into context. For Israel, it was a make it or break it moment. Their level of disobedience and sin had reached its zenith. So God is looking for intercessors at that point who would pray on behalf of Israel in order to stop the judgment that was impending. Nothing was going to stop it. They had gone too far and now judgment was coming as a result. By the way, you will find in the scriptures that when God wants to bless something, he judges something else. And so what we pray for is the mercy of God. He was looking for somebody to pray mercy because if somebody didn't pray mercy on the earth, judgment would have to come. And that shows how much God actually loves people. He wants to extend mercy to us. The same was true of Ezekiel's day. Ezekiel 22:30. So I sought For a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Therefore I have poured out my indignation on them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. I have recompensed their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord God. He did not want judgment to fall upon them. He looked for somebody that would trouble themselves. And stand like he would on the earth on behalf of his people. Does anybody see how absolutely crucial it is for God's people to become intercessors in this hour? Who will stand in the gap? Who will forego their comfort for a cry? Who will deny themselves for an hour of carnal entertainment, for an hour of kingdom attainment? Who will sacrifice their choice to do as they please to become a voice on bended knees? Come on, somebody. Prayer changes everything. Well, you know, you can't stop it. If God's going to do it, he's just going to do it. Nonsense. Nonsense. Scripture after scripture God told Abraham, I'm going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah, get everybody you know you love out because I'm going to hit them with everything i got. And Abraham said, wait a second now, would you destroy a nation where there's righteous people in there? And the Lord perked up and said, what do you mean? He said, if there were 50 righteous people, would you spare the land? Would you spare the city? He said, yes, I'll do it for 50 people. Abraham didn't have faith for 50 people. Would you do it for 40 people? yes I'll do it for 40 Lord I don't mean to bother you but I don't know if there's 40 people there would you do it for 30 people he said if there's 30 righteous people there I will not destroy the city do you see what intercessory is doing it's bargaining with God it's bartering with God saying Lord come on Hey, would you do it for 25 people? If there's 25 people, I'll do it. And he didn't believe there was. He said, finally goes, Lord, I don't mean to bug you no more. And please, if you want to take me out, I guess you're going to take me out. But I got to say what's on my mind. I don't know if there's 25 people there. Would you do it for 10 people? And God says, if you find 10 righteous people, I will do it for 10 righteous people. But he could not find even 10. But he was looking for somebody that would barter. But what about Moses? And God got, God got so angry with the children of Israel. He had enough. He said, enough. I'm done. You stiff-necked, rebellious people. I've done nothing but bless them. They do nothing but complain against me. They're never going to follow me. Moses, you've been a good man. You and me, we're going to start all over again, just you and me. And we're going to start our own nation together. How about how's that sound, boy? And what did he say? What did he say? Whoa, 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 Lord, now God, hold on. Can we talk about this for a second? Can we, hold on a second. That's not what you said to us. You gave us a promise that you would take us out of Egypt and take us into the promise. You said that. How will it look if you kill all your people out here? And they say, look what God does. He won't keep his word. When's the last time you talked straight with God like that? That was Old Testament, y'all. You're going to snuff him out. Come on, somebody. But he says, he says, you cannot do this. And he tells God, repent from the thing you have said. You're not a liar. I know you're not a liar. You can only tell the truth. Now you're backing down from your deal. He said, repent from the thing. He said, remember your covenant that you swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and God said, that's what I wanted to hear. He said, I'm going to bring, I'll give them another shot. I'll give them another chance. That's what intercession does. Come on, church. That's why it's so important. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and see. You want your family to turn around, humble yourself and pray. And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. Everybody say there's power in prayer. Power but we've got to turn. We've got to get out of our wicked ways. Quit being so lazy. Peter was literally in a prison, locked up. But oh, there was a little Pentecostal prayer meeting going on in somebody's little house packed out with Christians and they weren't there to eat cupcakes and watch a little video from Joel Osteen and uh, play Parcheesi afterwards. They were there to do kingdom business with God and they begin to pray and cry out for Peter. He said, you can't leave our man of God like that in prison. You got to do a miracle. You got to do something now, God, tonight, tonight, God, God heard their prayer. And God sent an angel to that prison and shook the place. Yeah. Broke the chains off of Peter and led him out of the city and right to the prayer meeting. Yeah. Everybody say this power, power in prayer. That's what intercession would do. That was a literal prison. How about your family? How about your friends that are bound up right now in spiritual places, in spiritual prison? How do you, you think we're going to put on a nice little music program and they're going to come to Jesus? I've seen so many people come to this altar and their lives not be transformed until I can't can't stand it no more. I've got to see lives transformed. I know mine was. I know mine was. How about you? I want the real deal to happen. And get filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. Hallelujah. Intercession. Intercession. Carries the overwhelming desire of God's glory, God's plan, and God's purposes to come to pass in the earth. The old folks used to say, I got a burden. How many remembers that that phrase back in the old days? I got a burden. I got a burden I got to pray through. The old folks, they didn't have a lot of revelation of the word yet, because the teaching ministry hadn't come in yet. So they didn't know a lot about the Bible. But they knew enough. They knew enough to believe God Some of them didn't have a Bible, but they had a relationship with the Almighty. And then when they got a burden, they would say things like, I gotta go and pray this thing through. They used to call it praying through. How many words have pray it through? Oh, they used to say, I gotta go to the church and grab the horns of the altar. That just meant just come to the altar. And I got to pray until God gives me a miracle. And they wouldn't stop come hell or high water. They didn't care if it was sunny outside and everybody else was having a good time going to the movies. They were on their knees before God because they had a burden. And they knew that God was depending on them to pray it through. Mm -hmm. My wife and my mother had a burden for me when I was lost in the world. I wasn't coming back. No way, no how. I was gone. Totally gone. But they had a burden pray for Jeff, pray for Jeff. Well, I'm standing here today because they had a burden to pray it through until I came to Christ. A burden is a holy zeal for, for God's will and desire to come to pass in the earth. I wonder if anybody feels a burden here tonight. Something inside says, my family's got to come to Christ. i gotta, I got to get this financial thing off of me. I, gotta, I, I believe in God for these certain people or friends in my life. A burden for the church. A burden for their own things that are happening. Do you have a burden? Have you ever thought that the burden you feel is the same burden that God feels? So when we pray, we're lifting the burden off of God in a very real sense. We're giving God the room to work with the world and to work on his people just a little bit longer. I don't want God to give up on my friends or my family. I don't want him giving up on Milwaukee. Maybe there's a remnant here tonight that's got a little bit of a burden that says I don't need to pray about myself too much. I got to pray about others. We got to see people come to Christ. What about those wounded warriors out there? They need Jesus tonight.